stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I'm your host, the Fantasy Cajun himself, Adam Bryce, along with my co-host, Mr. FF Littlefinger, Vincent Argrave. Tonight, we're going to talk about who's busting in 2020. Vincent, I've got a few few names on here that are some pretty big names that I'm going to get to. I think people are going to maybe even be taken back by, but uh, I'm looking forward to this, this podcast. No, absolutely. I think uh, I have my reasons why guys may bust and not be successful. And, you know, some of these guys, I'm not saying to necessarily stray away from but maybe if you have a choice between people in similar spots or if you have a um, positional pivot available when you're looking at, at you know uh, count an equivalent wide receiver versus running back maybe you look at them but uh you know I I don't know obviously everybody that we talk about tonight won't bust some of them have really good years but I can see a world much more realistically than people around them where these guys could just no show or definitely not bring back uh the draft equity you put into them yeah, and that to me, that's kind of what qualifies as a bust. Um, not so much as someone who you're taking in the seventh round and you're cutting by week four, but maybe someone you're taking in the first or second round who either A, just does not return that value, or B, he returns a mediocre value where he's someone more worthy of, say, like a seventh or eighth round pick versus maybe like a second or third round pick. And so that, to me, kind of is what defines bust, in my opinion, to, with some of these players. I agree. So I, you know, it happens every year and you you hope you can pick them out and hopefully we can pick out a couple. Yeah, I I think uh, I think I've got a couple here on this list. We're going to we're going to run through uh, some quarterbacks, running backs, receivers and tight end busts that we think who are players who are not going to return their draft value. I'll go ahead and start it off and I'll just start off with the biggest name on the board. And you probably know who I'm getting ready to say. He's a quarterback. And he's rated number one on just about everybody's board right now. That's Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson does not have immense talent because he does. But everybody saw everything that they did last year. That was his first real year playing a full season in that Baltimore offense. Uh, They've got a lot of tape on him now. Uh, I believe, you know, when you look in the past years at quarterbacks who've had monster seasons, uh, what has happened the next season? Let's go ahead and just look at Patrick Mahomes in 2018 because that is the most recent case that we have. 2018, Patrick Mahomes throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The previous, the next season, he's drafted as your you know first round one quarterback. He's getting taken at the end of round one, in middle round two in most leagues. What does he do, and what kind of value does he return this year? In 2019, he throws for 26 touchdowns and five interceptions. That is nowhere near 50 touchdowns. That's more, you know, quarterback five, six, seven range. He certainly is not returning a second round value. And when you're stretching and taking that type of a value, you need that return. Otherwise, you know, you're passing on a big name running back or a big name receiver. And I just think 
Uh, Lamar Jackson had had an epic year last year. And I just think with the tape being out on him now, you know, having such a monster year, can he follow it up in this offense? I I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for Baltimore this year. And I do expect, I don't expect Lamar Jackson to return a second, you know, third round value. I think he's going to return somewhere around like a sixth or seventh round somewhere. You can, you know, find someone else around that, you know, area where he's being, where he's going to land in my opinion. And I just think that, those are some of the reasons why I think he's going to take a step back this year. No, I, I have him on my list. I have several names in a lot of positions, and we're only going to talk about two each. Um, you know, I I think that you can make a blanket statement statement that any first or second round quarterback is primed to be a bust because the expectation is the historic season, and it's it's been done, but it's historic because it's not done as often. So. I definitely, you know, I, it's easy to say Lamar because he's going ahead of Mahomes, and Mahomes does have the throwing um, capabilities that Lamar doesn't. So there's an argument to be made, but it seems like being a pure quarterback is a safer spot. Lamar obviously has a big floor, but, you know, going into the strength of schedule this year, which that's one of the only stats I have for this evening, a lot of this is just more gut check and how I feel about people. But Lamar Jackson is going against the eighth hardest quarterback schedule and he's going against the sixth hardest running back schedule. So however you want to make the argument against Lamar Jackson, well, he can make it up with his legs or, you know, he's more than that, or he's not just a running back, he's a quarterback. He's got a hard fucking schedule. And I absolutely can see that. Now, I do think some of the strength of schedule stuff, especially is just the AFC North, but that's what happens. I mean, do you have to play those guys in those battles every week, six times a year, and it's going to be a freaking barn burner. And I agree with you. A lot of these guys, the tape's out. And I think that there's going to be a trend with some of these that, you know, they got away with a year, but, you know, the, the, ne- the next year they're much m- less likely to repeat. Yeah, and you know, it, exactly. And we've seen it. You know, we saw with Patrick Mahomes when Peyton Manning threw 50 touchdowns uh, with Denver. He, he regressed. Tom Brady did the same thing. These players, you know, when they have these monster years, they're always due for a t- touchdown regression. And I certainly expect it with, with uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, to me, it's always it's always very risky when you're taking a quarterback in the second round or third round anyway because of the value that you're passing at running back and receiver. So, you know, maybe, you know, take a little step back, you know, take someone like a, a wide receiver or running back in the third round instead of taking a reach for like Lamar Jackson. Vincent, who do you have? I'm, I'm very curious to hear some of your some of your bus potential names at quarterback. It's it. I really I'll give them all at the end. We won't talk about them all, but somebody that, you know, I just this is more of a heat check. And people need to, like, come to reality. Um, I got some bigger names probably, but I'm going to have Joe Burrow because when I looked at the ADP and where people are drafting, Joe Burrow is the 12th quarterback off the board. Like, quarterback is deep, like, deep as it's ever been. And for that to be – if you draft Joe Burrow at 12, that is your starting quarterback. And I don't – I'm not a believer in backing up quarterbacks, but we need some, like, reality – into the situation. We both think Joe could have a good year, especially maybe by the end of the year, the Bengals offense, but there is a lot of things that need to happen for him to set the world on fire. You know, I was an early Kyler owner last year and I had a bunch of injuries, so I had to cut him and I didn't have him for the back end of the season. And even then, like he, you have huge ups and downs. There are so many safer quarterbacks with just as much upside as Burrow. And, you know, going into that division, going to the AFC North, going against the, quarterbacks that he's going to face and the defense he's going to see and just the nature of those games just when I saw that I don't 
you know, I'll, he will be probably one of my lowest ranked people that I talked about by position and quarterback. I don't think those rankings even translate to comparatively to the how like the 12th running back or wide receiver because you have to play so many more. But the odds of him being a QB one this year are not very good. Like I don't understand like uh, hopefully some of these rankings are you know maybe he goes down because these are dynasty rankings get involved with that too maybe rookie drafts only are skewing that but if it is just we're looking at redraft like this needs to be like tamed down son because this is crazy that that i would <laughs> agree with that i didn't even realize joe bird was going as the 12th quarterback off the board i would have to completely agree with that statement um, I think Joe Burrow has plenty of potential, and I think in the long term he's going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. But uh, coming out the gate uh, as a rookie quarterback and being number twelve overall, I, I I just don't see it honestly. No, I obviously neither do I. Yeah, um, my other quarterback I have on the list, and it shouldn't be any surprise if you've listened to this podcast over the say you know past month and a half. Uh, that 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 quarterback is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know he's the eleventh quarterback going off the board right now, and you know, just just look back at his last two seasons, which he played both sixteen games in each season. He threw forty four hundred yards in eighteen. He threw four thousand yards in nineteen, but then he threw for twenty five and twenty six touchdowns. Uh, most most people who were drafting Aaron Rodgers last year are probably drafting him in the fourth or fifth round, maybe even into the sixth round, but. That certainly doesn't return that type of value. And, you know, to, for him to be the 11th quarterback off the board, and you look at the situation that's going on in Green Bay right now, and that's another kind of theme for me when I'm looking at bus potential. I'm looking at these guys' situations and what type of environment are they in, you know, when, when you're what your team is. I mean, is your team toxic? Are you toxic? Um, you know, is your coach looking like he's going to be out of the door here pretty soon? So when I look at a lot of these bus players, I look, I look for these types of environments. And, you know, to me, you know, Aaron Rodgers is in an environment where, you know, Green Bay trades up to get Jordan Love. And then, you know, Aaron Love, uh, Aaron Rodgers makes some comments the other day about, you know, being surprised and unexpected. But, you know, he, he kind of plays the, you know, the company line of, well, you know, we got to, you know, prepare for the future. And I understand that and respect that. Or, and, and I get that. But he he's absolutely could not have been happy when he saw that. And to me, you know, I think the moment he's already a diva, he already had problems with Mike McCarthy in the past. There's no doubt in my mind he's already got issues with, uh, LaFleur over there and to me you know now they bring in love he, the moment he walks in that locker room I think there's just going to be a little tension and I think it's going to result in a lot of Green Bay players and, and talent maybe outside of, of Devontae Adams taking a step back this year from fantasy wise I'll, I'll be surprised if Green Bay makes the playoffs this year no I think um, you know I'm, I'm an Adams believer probably more so than anybody else in that offense. So I will argue that point. However, Rodgers was an option on my list as well. On top of everything, you know, I think that they had a very good roster with a mature team and a new coach. And having just a different scheme gave them an advantage. And, you know, let's face it, the AFC North was a shit show last year too. So they were almost, you know, New England of old where, you know, they're going to walk over Chicago and – uh, Detroit and Minnesota was kind of, you know, up and down a little bit, but you know, they weren't, they weren't gangbusters by any stretch, uh, you know, in the regular season, especially. So if they, uh, 
it, he has all that, and we talk about the tape. So that scheme, that Lafleur system, that never really performed at a huge high level in Tennessee, is not giving anybody really a chance to succeed. I mean, Derrick Henry was good at the end of every year because by the end of the year, it just he would just bludgeon people to death. But never, only last year did he really succeed. Well, Lafleur was gone, so they gave him the ball. You know, so his offense is proven to not has a history of not providing fantasy, whether it's Mariota or Derrick Henry. And once changes were made, and maybe some of the problem was Mariota, but maybe some of the problem was the offense too. And that's what Mariota got had to grow with. So I think the tape's out. The def- the division's going to be better because Stafford's going to be healthy. Detroit's going to be better and healthier. Their defense has improved. Foles instead of Trubisky. So now you know you're not throwing eight pick sixes to everybody. So I think you're going to get more competitive games, not to mention Rodgers does have, going into this year, the ninth hardest strength of schedule for quarterbacks. So he's going to have a top third of difficulty, which he probably didn't have last year. And I agree that the offense doesn't support him. The numbers don't support him. His skilled players don't support him. So I, I, I kind of I, – I thought you would say him because I know you hate him, um, especially going into the year. But uh, I thought it was low-hanging fruit. That's why I went to Burrow first to make sure you were going to cover him. But if you didn't, obviously, I was ready to support that. Well, I understand that. But I'm not so much as an Aaron Rodgers hater, but I just don't like the system and environment that he's in now. I've been someone in the past who's gone up and taken you know, an Aaron Rodgers in the third, fourth, fifth round. And I've been ha- very happy with some of the return I've, I've gotten from him. But uh, it's, it's time for him, in my opinion, to move on. And I think you'll see that after this season when uh, the Jordan Love era probably officially will be in after this year. I, I don't see Aaron Rodgers making a, a, one more after this. I don't see him making more than one season in Green Bay. Right. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers is the 11th off the board. Burrow's 12th off the board. So it's like there are so many other options where you still can get quality skill players in that range. Like why settle for those guys there? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no doubt about it. So who, who else you got over there, quarterback for Boston? Well, the biggest name on my list as far as ranking, I'm going to go with Josh Allen, who I'm a Josh Allen guy. Ooh. But when I looked at the top 12, because, you know, at that point, like I'm, 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 if you bust at 13, like who gives a shit? You know, you're not even a QB1. So when I'm looking, somebody with the highest potential, you know, I do think Buffalo's improved. And I think that, you know, Josh Allen still has to take a step up, you know, Things can change very quickly to where if they, say, are a better football team and they do try to do some much little bit more traditional, you see the ball go to Singletary and you see the ball go to Moss more where, you know, Frank Gore is a ghost and he just doesn't fumble, so coaches keep giving him a job. But, you know, you have better running backs than you had last year because Singletary is going to be better than he was last year and now you have a better running back in to come in to finish at the end zone. Maybe you avoid some of those hits for Josh Allen because maybe Buffalo is a good team. So this could be a situation where the team is getting better as a whole. They may actually – they have true playoff implications, and they don't want their quarterback to take those hits and to do that extra stuff. And he still has to improve. I agree that Diggs is there. I understand all those things, but he still has to hit those open receivers. And I think that they can play really ugly football. Now, I do think he has a floor, but if you're looking at the seventh quarterback off the board, that's kind of where he finished, and that's where that running game – keeps him there. If any of that goes down, the passing has to come up to meet it. And Josh Allen is very serviceable serviceable from a fantasy perspective, but 
I could definitely see him regressing as much as anything else. You know, you have a couple bad picks, and the same thing. One thing that's common with all these guys, the Mahomes uh, example that you use, one bad hit is going to take them out. Rodgers is a collarbone waiting to happen, and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are always on the move. Their floor is also their greatest exposure to failure because any hit could be the last one for a few weeks. You know, you dislocate your kneecap like Mahomes, all of a sudden your air quotes garbage, and you're still performing at a high end, but you're not nearly a first or second, you know, early second round value where you were taken. So I can definitely see a world where Josh Allen could play all season and just it not go right. And they just, again, it's just some ugly football and the running backs are getting the glory and the receivers aren't the ones punching it in. And they're playing just, they still play in fucking Buffalo and it's cold and it's windy and it's some low scoring freaking, you know, shootout or uh, uh, grind outs. I like it. It's 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 ballsy, and uh, you know some of the things that you say, or it, it really kind of you know really tells the tale of Josh Allen. You know he's always struggled as a passer. He's been more of a quarterback who's been you know on his feet, producing, you know getting good yards on on the ground, even scoring touchdowns, doing a lot of a lot of vulturing from Singletary and Frank Gore in the past couple of years. But uh, you know I, I really like that just because you know he he is someone who could take a step back. You know, depending on you know who knows you know if they have any type of uh, training camps with with Buffalo and D- Diggs coming in you know it's it's a new receiver there so you know he does have some some question marks and that he's always going to be facing so I like it I think it's a it's a good pick um, so do you have any other quarterbacks that you want to go through the only name on my list and I would have to it, it's 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 either a complete bust or a complete miss and it's Tom Brady it's either is he done. Or is he got left in the tank and it's really that uh, the offense in New England was just depleted with skilled players? I think his positional players around him can almost make anybody succeed, but maybe he's just done. Now, I don't think so. That's why he would have been my last option. And, again, I tried to keep this in the top 12, try to see who, was, who wasn't going to succeed. So he is my least likely of all these guys because I think he's smart enough to dink and dunk it, and he will have that opportunity to pad the stats. But – Maybe the last few years, he's just, he just doesn't have it anymore. But we've talked about how Drew Brees' arm strength's down. Peyton was not Peyton in Denver, but he was a competent quarterback that still scored some points. But even with this arsenal around him, he, 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 just, he, he might not have the arm to do it. That, that would be something else, and that would probably be the story of the NFL season if, if Brady had really fallen off as much as you know, he potentially could have. You know, it's not like his stats were you know real earth shattering over the past couple seasons in New England. So I like it. You know, he does have a lot of talent around him. So uh, that'll be interesting to see, man. I'll, I'll be curious to really see that. Um, looking over over to running back, uh, the first name that kind of jumps off the, the page for me, um, uh, and it's, you know, it's a local guy and someone I, I don't like, you know, calling out, but it is what it is. Leonard Fournette, I think this year, you know, you're being drafted around the third round right now, maybe even early, uh, late second. And, you know, he's already creating some issues in Jacksonville with himself and some of his attitude. You know, he's wanting to be traded. Uh, he's had issues with Tom Coughlin. He's had issues, you know, with the, the coaching staff over there and, He's just, you know, I just think 
he's on his last leg in Jacksonville. I know they want to get rid of him. This is probably his last season. Um, and, you know, they've run him and they kind of ran him into the ground last year. I mean, he had over 300 touches. He had a good season. I mean, he rushed for 1,100 yards and three touchdowns. But I just look at the environment over in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be playing for a number one seed or not number one seed, but a number one draft pick this year. Um, they're not going to go very far with Gardner Minshew. I mean, they've got some young pieces around, but uh, there's I think it's a total rebuild job going on in Jacksonville. Uh, the coaching staff may very well be out after the end of the season. And I, I think uh, I think the front office has had enough of Lena Fournette's games. And you can just kind of see, you know, some of the writing on the wall through social media and you know through some of his antics last year. I mean, he's the 14th running back off the board. So that puts him in, you know, the the mid to late second round, maybe even to the early third round. I just don't think he's going to return that type of value this year. I think he's someone who's going to take a major step back. Well, I understand everything you're saying about feelings, but until he gets traded or they bring any sort of a threat in, I don't see an alternative. I see them just using him up. Like right now, like the I think the hate is going and like let the hate flow. But I think at some point he's going to be a buy low because there is nothing there to threaten his position. And I, it's not going to be Chris Thompson. You know, I mean, he's going to take some of that volume away, but I still think, you know, as a, he can support a 14th running back. So I think that I agree with the concept that he's putting himself in a bad spot and it's a really uncomfortable um, poisonous relationship brewing over there. But once the season rolls around and it's week one and you freaking got to go to war with the 53 men with you, like you're going to strap it up and you're going to fucking go. And he, along with DJ Chark are the best offensive options they have. And when they have nothing invested, who cares if he lives or dies at this point, he is going to get a volume that, and he's going to have a chip on his shoulder for his next job or to get traded. So I, I, I don't see a football reason why he busts because I don't know how the Jaguars cannot give him the ball with Raquel Armstead and Chris Thompson behind him. Hey, that, that's okay, man. That's why we do the podcast. You know, we have you know some different different beliefs, and hey, that's okay. I, I just feel that. I'm just not feeling Leonard Fournette this year. I, I kind of explained a little bit why. I just think no, I get it. I, I get think, it. I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot too. I think you're going to be throwing a lot of the football a lot. It's going to be garbage time production, and you know, I, I just think it, it's it's going to be a step back for Leonard Fournette this year. I I don't that's, I don't disagree. It won't be a step back, but I it, it'll be interesting if it does go true garbage. If it's Chris Thompson or Fournette on the field, yeah, sure. that, I think that all the time. You're right. right. So I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go up. I'm going to the eighth running back off the board. I'm going Nick Chubb. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Hunt came on strong at the end of last year. As soon as he got involved with the game, you know, they got a strong receiving core. I think it's it's a tough push because everything from a football sense, you know, Stefanski wants to run the ball, and you know, I think Alexander Madison is a rookie last year. Maybe he didn't have that trust, and Dalvin Cook. I think I think Dalvin Cook still is a better running back than Nick Chubb is. I think their fantasy points can be close if um, Hunt was not involved. But Alexander Madison's not Kareem Hunt, and you know Diggs and Thielen aren't OBJ and Jarvis. Like he has better skill players in Cleveland. So I I don't see I don't feel good with him the eighth running back off the board, early second round pick, and just 
with the unknown of the volume that he's really going to get. If I knew he was just going to get fed, the, he, he's a great talent. You know, it's you're picking it hairs on he could be in that top tier if Hunt was not there. But as long as Hunt is involved and if we don't know how that split is going to go, if they're going to go with the hot hand, if they're going to try a third down, if they're going to alternate, you know, two to one series, and then the, the receivers and the tight ends, it's just there's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, it's not that I don't think he can produce, but I don't – I can easily see how he can, you know, not hold. I think there's a tier right there, and, you know, that tier of running backs between Mixon, Chubb, Jones, and Fournette, like, there's a whole lot of unsureness about that position, about in that range. Like, I think that people that went receiver in the first round are going to get those guys that they're RB1, and they could be thoroughly disappointed. Now – you could be getting Dalvin Cook last year and you could find a fucking diamond in the rough, but I doubt all four hit. So there's a good chance that all of those guys do not live up to expectations. And without any injury involved, I can see how Chubb just based off of what's around him could not meet that. Just he could be what he was in the second half and it's not going to be worth it. Yeah. If, if he's what he was in the second half, I mean, that's, you know, mid RB2 value for someone you're probably taking in the first round. So uh, I actually do agree with that. Um, I agree that, you know, Kareem Hunt being there is definitely an issue and a reason that Nick Chubb would kind of take a step back just like he did last year. And who knows, the Browns could be continue to be the Browns. You know, they do have a new coaching staff coming in with Stefanski. But Baker Mayfield uh, was looking like he was going to be the darling of fantasy last year before the season started, and he just took a major step back. And he could continue that regression. You know, they have a lot of personalities on that team. So it, it could be a, a product of the system, you know, if that team is you know going through some tough times. And I would inevitably expect Nick Chubb to go through some tough times. So he's got a few things working against him. So I, I, I like the call. Yeah, his – I mean, I, Stefanski's best coaching is going to be getting the locker room in line and with a method to win because, the, you know, saying there's a lot of personalities is very generous to the people because it, I, it gets toxic every year. Losing, losing breeds, you know, just dissent. And there's a whole lot of people that will turn tail in a hurry and talk shit in Cleveland. And once that goes sideways, then everything goes off the rails and nobody produces. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the next guy on my list, and it's kind of a theme with my quarterbacks. Um, I think Aaron Jones, uh, obviously is a running back who, who's going to be due for some regression. I mean, let, let's make no mistake about it. He's, he's probably not going to top his 16 touchdowns last year. Um, Matt LaFleur is clear that he wants to drive fantasy owners crazy. And he decided, you know, after, you know, the season that Aaron Jones had, and even the season that Jamal Williams had, uh, that he wanted to go get another running back. And so he goes and drafts A.J. Dillon uh, from Boston College. And now you, you bring Dillon in with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. You have a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers over there. You know, yes, Aaron Jones had 16 touchdowns last year. Yes, he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Yes, he had you know almost 50 receptions and three touchdowns. He had a great monster season. But, you know, as the as the 11th running back off the board, you know, you're talking about mid-second round right now uh, around that value towards the end of second round. And I'm just not sure he's someone who's going to return that value with kind of the dysfunction that's going on in that offense right now. 
uh, and they bring in you know competition for him with AJ Dillon, who very well could vulture some of his touchdowns. I, I think I think Aaron Jones is due for aggression because of those reasons. No, I he's he was uh, probably number one on my list for most likely to you know not live up to expectations. I just I, we again we did not talk about this before. I just know who you hate, and the, I think the hate for the Aaron Jones is real and deserved because. Again, last year, when Devontae Adams was healthy, he did not perform with the catches. When Jamal Williams was healthy, he did not prefer with the rushes. And, you know, I went and looked through his game log a little bit. He had a couple of huge games. But it's almost like he's the Amari Cooper of freaking running back. Like, he'll just ghost you a few games, and he goes monster performances. Now, he's a little more steady than Amari, but that's the closest comp that I can get that he just explodes, and then like, but he'll also just vanish. And you, I think there is at least a little bit of a theme to where you could see big opportunity. But do you want to draft a guy in hoping that other positions get hurt or his other running back gets hurt? And now it's not just Jamal Williams. It's A.J. Dillon, like you said, who, if he can hold on the football in camp, then that monster is getting the ball near the goal line, and he loses goal line value. He's not the third down preferred back. And if Devontae Adams doesn't hurt his toe, he's not the receiving option. So it's just – uh, I completely agree. Like, you know, Chubb's eighth and Jones is nine. I'll take Chubb freaking 10 out of 10 times. Don't get me wrong. Like, again, I don't want this hate to go so far. Like, I don't want to draft these people. But Aaron Jones is one that I'm closer to not wanting to draft. And people are just, you know, they're, they're, everybody wants to do hashtag free Aaron Jones. Well, well, fuck, there's a hashtag because he doesn't get freed. So, like, <laughs> why would, you know, like, I don't want to sit here and rescue somebody from prison all year. Like I want fucking gangbusters that are out and wild. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about three running backs, you know, splitting carries uh, just, it just does not work and does not make for, it might make great, you know, in the NFL you know, standpoint, but from a fantasy perspective that, that just spells trouble for someone like Aaron Jones. Um, and like you said, the tape from last year's out. So is that offense, is that scheme? Everybody's had a whole offseason. They're all quarantined. I promise you, DCs are watching film right now. And are they going to be able to, you know, because Aaron Jones is a good talent. And if given the opportunity, he would succeed. Like if it was just him, he was, he was truly used as a bell cow. If he's in an Austin Eckler now situation, like if Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler are, are I maybe rank Aaron Jones actually higher if they just swap teams than I have Eckler ranked right now, because I think Aaron Jones is probably a little bit better. But if the scheme gets skewed and all of a sudden they go to LaFleur at the Titans and you now you did not give Aaron Rodgers the pieces around him to take away from the run, well, now what are you going to do? Like, it's just there's – there's a lot of reasons why this could not work. And they could be good – they could be better from a football standpoint by using the three running backs, but they also could take a big step back because this scheme has been implemented a full year with these people and they didn't do anything – to make any of the offense better. Like, they didn't bring in any different positions wait, to add wait, a different – Wait, 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 Devin Funches? I'm sorry. You must have broken up. I, had, I, you had, I heard static and it sounded like Funches. It was weird. <laughs> you know I make trades in my dynasty league, so I'm, a, I'm a, a King Lazard guy. I'm all about the Lazard King. So him and Sammy Watkins just keeping the lizard life alive. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute shit show. I, I – there's a, not a whole lot of pieces I want to be involved with. I'll stand by Devontae Adams, but after that, 
I probably will not own a Packer in a redraft. Yeah, I, I absolutely 100% agree. The only the only, the only Green Bay Packer I'm interested in in fantasy football is Devontae Adams, and, and that's it. I am, absolutely. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go down, I think, probably the one that's maybe the best to talk about. Um, the two names I won't mention as far as we don't have to dive into. Mixon, but that's more, I think, maybe just my hate. You know, I keep going back and forth, but – you know, there's a lot of reasons why Mixon could not succeed, and he's being drafted ahead of Chubbs and Jones. So he's in that range where, for me, it just kind of gets a little icky, and I don't want one of those guys. I'm going to wait for the tier below and take a wide receiver probably in that range. Um, I had Clyde Edwards-Alaire on here also, and that's going to be crazy for all the the truthers, and he's going to be the – you know, he's going to be Westbrook this year. I just – I want – I want to get closer to the season and see what their lineup looks like. I want to see what their final roster looks like because I do think there's a huge upside, but I think people can be, you know, a lover scorned, especially early in the year where the back year, he absolutely could play dividends, but he was the last likely on my list. But who I will go with right here is uh, Mark Ingram. Um, Mark Ingram's coming off a ridiculous touchdown number. That's obviously going to freaking come down to reality. Um, I don't know if Dobbins takes work from Ingram, but I do think that they use more backs. I don't think Ingram gets a bell cow type treatment, which he already was split with Lamar Jackson. I do think they're going to want to get Dobbins some touches. I do think Baltimore also is a freaking really good team. And they are probably, even the tapes out or not, the defense is good. The offense is good. They beat the shit out of people and they're going to get leads late that are big enough to where the other running backs are going to get run. And Mark Ingram's not going to have, you know, two touchdowns a game for every other game for a stretch. Not to mention now, again, playing in that AFC North, the, Ingram, the schedule Ingram's looking at is the sixth hardest uh, running schedule, which, by the way, Chubb, also Cleveland, has the fifth hardest running schedule. I meant to say that earlier if I didn't. So, you know, Ingram has just – there's a whole lot of reasons, whether it's age, he got nicked up at the end of the year, you know, I think that they want to keep him involved. And his ADP right now, he's the 20th running back off the board. So it's, it's tough to call him a bust. But if you take him around there, he may still live up to that expectation. But, you know, when people fall off a cliff, they fall off hard. And, you know, running backs just all of a sudden don't have it. And I can see a situation where he starts losing steam and the young guys behind him are fucking fresh legs and more athletic, and they can get after it, and they're going to be protected by the threat of Lamar. So they're going to see big boxes and have or empty boxes and have a lot of opportunity. And I think a lot of those receivers also are going to take a step up this year. So I just I can see Ingram, I can see Ingram of, of all the people we've talked about, he's one of the first names that I can see just completely ghosting people this year. That would be interesting, but I, I like your arguments, but uh, here is where I disagree. And let me tell you this number, 323 carries. That's how many carries Lamar Jackson's had in the past two seasons. If you think that rate is going to continue and him not get hurt, you got another thing coming. That number has to come down. So in my opinion, uh, if Ingram is healthy, I think he's going to continue to get the work. And, you know, I, w- did you say he was the 18th running back off the board? 
20th. 20th running back off the board. I, I think he can return at least 20th running back value. Um, I, I, I have to believe that John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens front office want to keep Lamar Jackson healthy. And he has got to take a step back from running the football. 322 carries is absurd for a season and a half, really, because the, the season before, Flacco really played like eight to ten of those games before Lamar Jackson came in. So I mean, he's got to take a step back running the football. And maybe some of those carries go to Dobbins, but I think if Mark Ingram's healthy, I think some of those carries go to him. I could see him returning uh, RB20 value. Uh, I don't – I, I, I'm not afraid to draft Ingram compared to I, he, how about this? He's the one that I could see completely disappointing people, but at the same time of all the people we talked about, he's also the one I can see me most likely drafting based off of where you're going to get him. Okay. The, you know, so that's it, fair. I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I'm just saying who could absolutely just fucking, all these guys could just walk the line and all be okay. And that's probably the most likely thing, you know, but we're trying to peg who, could just ghost and you know i could see something and everybody that we did talk about he's also probably the most likely to get injured based off of just age and the carries that he's had in his history so you know he could step the wrong way and you know he popped that freaking calf again and all of a sudden you know dobbins and the freaking three-headed monster behind him now all of a sudden it's a running back by committee and the, the most highest running team in the league you can't play a damn running back because there's so many of them yeah, uh, you know, speaking of ghosting, I, I'm just going to skip the wide receiver because uh, you, you'll, you'll probably call me on this one soon to, as soon as I say this receiver. Um, the One of the main first receivers I've got, you know, he's been traditionally uh, when healthy, uh, a wide receiver one uh, and a high-end wide receiver two pretty consistently for the past few years now. But uh, there's been a changing of guard in Los Angeles. Uh, there's Tyrod Taylor there now. Um, Keenan Allen is the 16th receiver off the board right oh, now. And you said Los Angeles. I thought you were going Cooper Cup, and I was going to hang up on this fucking ball because I can't <laughs> handle it. <laughs> well, you should have heard what I said. Change of the guard. So okay, I did. That's why I pivoted. I took a drink and I was fine. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, you'd have probably continue. started a couple I'll, shots. I'll, I stopped seeing red. I'm listening. <laughs> um, Keenan Allen, really. You know, he has returned some pretty good value the past two to three seasons, but there has been a change in the guard. Philip Rivers is not there anymore. Philip Rivers targeted him. I mean, that you can you can write that down in the books. That's 100 plus targets every season for Keenan Allen. No doubt about it. That always happened when Philip Rivers was there and Keenan Allen is healthy. But now you've got Tyrod Taylor, who's probably going to play, uh, I would expect, six to eight games, uh, if not if not less, before Justin Herbert comes in. And I just don't think Justin Herbert is that type of passing quarterback at this time in his career. And I just don't see any way possible Keenan Allen returns uh, mid-wide receiver two value this season. Uh, Anthony Lynn you know, likes to run the football. He's got Austin Eckler. They took Josh Kelly in the draft. You know, they also have Malcolm, uh, not Malcolm, uh, Justin Jackson as well. You've got Hunter Henry, Mike Williams there. I just don't see, and Keenan Allen is a volume-driven uh, receiver. He doesn't have a volume-driven quarterback. Tyron Taylor isn't, isn't that quarterback. He likes to take some deep shots, which is why I think if there's any wide receiver to really own, and that, that offense, it would be Mike Williams because I think his value kind of returns what you could potentially get out of him. But as far as Keenan Allen is concerned, I, I'm not sure he's going to get 100 targets this year. I just think he's he's due for a major step back this year. 
No, I, I could see it. And uh, at some point here in the next you know few weeks, we'll probably revisit our rankings because I know I definitely need to retool mine because as we talk and as we look and we do more research and kind of things evolve, you know, I, I am having, you know, changing of the hearts. And I do think that Tyrod will support the offense. I, I, I agree with how Keenan Allen will have an opportunity, will be much less likely to be the old Keenan Allen. Now, can he be a wide receiver? That, that's, I guess that's my perspective. Keenan. Keenan Allen was always a borderline wide receiver one for me. Yeah. And it usually depended on his health. So I do think he is a very good receiver. And if the argument is Tyrod is not that good, which is not necessarily what I believe, but if that's the argument, usually those guys find the one receiver. And the odds are it's going to be Keenan Allen, not Mike Williams. So, but I do think that I'm kind of peeling back because I, you know, with the way they're looking, I do think they're going to be a little more run centric. My love for Eckler just continues to, you know, bloom and blossom. We're in full pollen season at this point. But I can – I definitely can tear back um, the passing game for the Chargers. So, I, I, I don't I, – I don't I don't dislike it. And it's one of the few names that you've mentioned that I haven't had on my list already. So, touche. Well touche. Well, let's hear some of that list. Well, since you're slamming people on my list, I'm slamming fucking you where it hurts, and I'm going straight at Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is the fucking ninth wide receiver drafted. I don't – I mean, I I'm think not it's a little high, too. I agree. I'm not saying Allen Robinson doesn't have some upside, but the fucking ninth receiver off the board? Like, Matt Nagy still calling plays. At best, Nick Foles is, you know, he's not you know, Super Bowl Nick Foles, and he's not – fucking you know chip kelly gimmick system nick Foles. like he is a guy okay he's somewheres you know he's probably right above uncle rico like he's okay now he's going to be the best quarterback that alan robinson's ever played with and alan robertson probably won't know alan robinson got more drops this year because so many balls maybe hit him in the chest and he's not used to the ball being there and not having to move to go catch it somewheres that was just askew but you know, the ninth running back off the board and the Bears have the hardest schedule for wide receivers going into this year. You know, so I just – he has no relationship with Foles. Still don't necessarily trust the offense. I trust his talent. I think he is a good wide receiver. But the Bears could just implode. if And if Nagy loses his job, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, that's the thing. Once somebody loses it, you hope that the premium – if Nagy loses his job, it's probably because he's not giving his best players the ball and he's trying to fucking play gimmick games with Cohen and, you know, you know, Riley Ridley and all these other people back there. And he – the next coach should just be, like, simplify it and say, let's give the ball to David Montgomery and throw it to Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and see what happens. That should be what might happen. But it's not been proven he – the volume just – it never feels like it's there. It's inconsistent. Now, a lot of that is Trubisky, so there could be some leveling, but some of the benefits that Foles brings also brings a maturity and a capability. You think he's going to be a pro quarterback, and they're going to run a better offense and in turn be a better team, and he's not going to get this volume, just Trubisky throwing it all over the place chaos that Allen Robinson has been able to thrive off of between that and Bortles. So I just – I think it's a crazy ranking of all the people we talked about outside of Joe Burrow being QB 12. 
like this was the one where I was like, are you, I, I double checked. I was like sitting, making sure I didn't like refresh or something. I was like, what the fuck is this? How is this even possible? But well, I will let you, you know, know. I, I'll tell you how it's possible, but I will agree that he's the ninth. That is probably his ceiling at best. Um, I will say this. We're talking about a receiver who returned wide receiver one value with people like Bortles and Trubisky. Those are two very bad quarterbacks. Bortles is a backup to Jared Goff now. Trubisky is going to be a backup to Nick Foles now. I do think Nick Foles, as you said, is a better quarterback than both of those guys. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to return wide receiver nine value, but I could see him uh, finishing in the in the top sixteen, you know, as a high wide receiver too, because uh, I do think uh, Foles is a better quarterback. Now that offense could take a step back, you know, depending on what happens with Matt Nagy. But if Matt Nagy were to get fired, and let's say he does poorly and he gets fired after say five games, and let's say the Bears start one and four or something, well, to me, that's a bad team which means garbage time production, which means you're chasing you know teams down the field, which means a lot of passing and a lot of receiving for Allen Robinson. So that would almost, to me, make me kind of percolate a little bit if Nagy were to get fired, say, after an 0-5 start. Because, I mean, then you're looking at probably a 2-14, 2-15, 3-13-season, and you're going to be chasing teams all season long, which is high garbage, could be potential high garbage time production for one Allen Robinson. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I've never felt good about a Foles receiver. I mean, maybe I'm missing one just off of memory, but I just never felt like there was just a guy, you know, because that's not what the Chip Kelly offense was. And it just, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just, the more the hype goes up on him, the more I'm just, I just staying away. I think it's gone too far. I think that you'll get, a lot more out of Anthony Miller and whatever. But I, I think that Anthony Miller could like really rise up and I think Foles can distribute it and they have 47 tight ends and Cohen. Like I just, I, I, I get it. I, I get it. I, I, I just, I, I feel it's just, I, I'm okay. Like I'm like, I'm like thinking I want Allen Robinson. Like, Oh, he's the sneaky play. I'll get him late and he's going to get value. And then I'm like, like, I agree. Like that's his ceiling. And most people don't touch the ceiling. It's just, you know, it's just, it's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, I, Look, you, but, you're not going to hear an argument out of me. I, I agree with you. Robinson you know, is a UGS sneaky play. I mean, I got him. I mean, he was going in the sixth and seventh round last year, and he returned wide receiver one value last year. So right. um, he, he's not – now he's ranked, you know, up uh, from basically what happened last season. So I could I could totally see him not returning, you know, that high value because wide receiver nine, I mean, you're talking about – uh, second, third round, uh, early third round. So that that is pretty bold and risque for one Allen Robinson. Um, the the next name I've got on my list, and I know you're you're you've got a little man crush on him, but uh, I've got Julian Edelman uh, on my list. I know he's a little bit lower, but I think Julian Edelman is going to come back down to earth this year. He does not have his boy Tom Brady. Uh, Julian Edelman becomes 34 years old this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of changing of the guard going on in New England. 
surprisingly, I'm I'm still I'm actually surprised that Julian Edelman's still on this team. You know, as much as Bill Belichick turns over the roster with, you know, players who are aging or players that he just doesn't think fit the New England way. I know Edelman fits that way, but I mean, you kind of saw what he did with Brady. I, I'm surprised Edelman's still there and, and kind of didn't follow him, follow Brady to Tampa, but. I just don't think you're going to see the typical Julian Edelman volume that you've seen over the past, you know, six to seven seasons. I mean, he's had a hundred plus targets in, you know, five of the last six seasons. I mean, and he's had some great numbers and he's had some great seasons, but I would rather be a year late or I'm sorry, a year early on your receiver than a year late on someone like Julian Edelman. And he is going as a 32nd wide receiver off the board. I mean, that's still, you know, low end mid wide receiver three numbers, but I think he could take a step back outside the top 50 this year. Well, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a matter of like, I guess perspective. Cause here's the thing, like he's going 32nd because the name Edelman pops and somebody's going to take him. So, you know, if I get, I'm not necessarily looking at Julian Edelman at 32nd. Like I'm thinking, you know, if he falls lower than that, you know, maybe, you know, out, if he's 36 to 40, maybe, I mean, and that's nitpicky, but I'm like, you know, if somebody doesn't take him off of the name where he's falling, his value and possibilities are worth it. So it'll be tough to make him a bust. Now, could he absolutely vanish? Absolutely. I mean, like we I mean, he's probably the oldest player that we've talked about. That's not a quarterback. And, you know, it just with the, you know, with the unknowing of what's going to be the New England offense, you know, there's a lot of reasons to not have faith in it. So I don't, you know, somebody taking the 32, that means probably they didn't know any other names on the board in that range. So I probably won't end up with Elliman, but I do think that in some of the drafts we've done, you know, there's been, he, he'd be a value as well. So, but no, I mean, could he completely ghost because he's, you know, the oldest man on the team? Absolutely. Uh, not to mention he, he could have a, a sophomore Jared Sidham quarterback throwing him the football. And really no one's has seen what Jared Sidham has looked like in a professional game, regular season game yet. So that's a mystery in its own. No, absolutely. That's what I mean. The, the, the unknown of the offense in general, just, I mean, it absolutely, I mean, yeah, I, I won't argue that he'll be a bust. My argument, I mean, if you take him as if you're taking him at thirty second, is that your third or your second wide receiver? Because if that is your second wide receiver, absolutely a bust. If that's your third wide receiver, uh, it's a it depends on what my other four players are to before I really just be like, hey, that's a bust. You yeah, know what I mean, that's questionable, no doubt about it. Well, let's see. I got a freaking hodgepodge of who's who and. You know, we're going to go big. I'll tell you, people that I'm not going to mention, and there's a big stretch that it makes a lot of sense. You know, we got OBJ at 10. I could easily see him not living up to that and going into a, a run-first offense with Stefanski. And, you know, they're, just they're already looking to shop him. I could see him not getting the love. And, you know, if Jarvis is healthy, especially just, you know, forcing it through the tight ends of the running backs. Um, Amari Cooper at 11. Amari Cooper in and of himself is a bust in history. You know, we have him ranked higher than that for the big games. And, again, we talk about re-looking at rankings, but I could definitely see Amari Cooper never coming close to paying that off. And that's just owning Amari Cooper, though. It's like you you you, you buy him for the three big games and you suffer through the nine battles. <laughs> and A.J. Brown is at 14. 
I don't know if that's bad, but I could really see him vanishing. Like I could, you know, I just, you know, if he doesn't, you know, have a whole lot of yak, just and you know, uh, Tannehill moves it around a little bit more to, you know, a couple of different options. I, I could definitely see AJ Brown not close to living up to that expectation. I don't, I don't know if he'd be my least likely to be a bust, partially because he's the lowest. So, but bust opportunity for where they're at and the unknowing. Uh, man, DeAndre Hopkins. I just he's still the fourth receiver off the board. People are taking him at the end of the first round, and uh, Kyler Murray is not better than Deshaun Watson. I do not care what anybody has to say. They may finish better this year because of you know what Bill O'Brien's done, and not just because of DeAndre Hopkins being gone, because of everything else he's brought in to fill holes. But I can easily see DeAndre Hopkins being you know I'm not saying he's gonna be 20 like I'm not saying he's gonna disappear but you take him at four like I could see him being 10 easy because he was taking up a third of the volume of that offense that was freaking uh Watson's boy he was force feeding the ball he knew where he's gonna be he was always gonna be there the offense is not anything spectacular that they run they just run it with superior players and it works but now he's going to an offense that didn't look like they wanted to feature a guy, and they have a whole lot of guys. You know, Fitzgerald isn't a threat, but he's not going away. Christian Kirk is very good. And then they have all of their receivers that they drafted la- last year, whether it's Anthony, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, whoever else I'm missing. Akeem Butler. They, Akeem Butler. Like, they have a lot of guys, some of which they didn't get to play as much because they weren't as healthy, and they go five receivers – and who do you think is going to draw the double coverage? Like, it, it's just there's a lot of reasons. And everybody's like, oh, they spread it. They throw it. They do this. They do that. Like, to me, all the arguments that people are making for DeAndre Hopkins are arguments I would make against him. And where he's going, like, I just I, – there's no way he gets that volume again. I, he can't be any more efficient. He didn't drop a ball for an entire year. So – you know, it's not like all of a sudden he's, you know, you talk about some of these guys with their target ranges and, you know, what they have to look at. He, it's, uh, it, I, I, I don't like, I, I always, I was down on him already because of the trade a little bit, but for where he's going, I can absolutely see, like, maybe he gives you wide receiver one value, but to me, Andre Hopkins is the quarterback of the wide receivers. You know, you're drafted him where he has been. And you take these quarterbacks early, and will Lamar Jackson and um, will Mahomes be an RB? I mean, a QB one, absolutely. But you're taking them at one and two, expecting them to separate themselves from the pack. Well, you're drafting Hopkins on the high end of the you know the top tier, and he may very well be end up on the low end of the top tier or the top of that second tier. And that's to me, that's a bust. I mean, that's that's the definition. Like you're not getting, and it's foreseeable, you know. Julio gets hurt. You know, we're taking injury out of this. Julio gets hurt. It's fine. But I don't see Julio all of a sudden losing anything. You know, Julio can only go up. He could catch touchdowns, God forbid. And that tier that he's around, I mean, those high-end receivers, like, you know, there's guys looking to make a jump. You know, if Brady's what he could be, the Tampa guys, you know, how we feel about these other receivers. And the volume just may not be there. And the offense doesn't support that. So I, I don't I, – I could easily see him not – um, living up to expectation. I like it. 
it's a, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Um, it's not a strategy that, that I would personally take. I am a believer in, in DeAndre Hopkins and the talent. I do believe Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's better than Deshaun Watson, but I think he's more than capable of getting DeAndre the Hopkins the football. Um, I could see him, you know, finishing as a low end wide receiver one, but I just, I just think there's there's just way too much talent there uh, for him to to drop like that. I'm just not sure. I mean, if if I'm sitting at the turn at one two and DeAndre Hopkins is there as say the wide receiver four or five, I don't think I would hesitate to to snatch him up. Honestly, yeah, uh, uh, we'll see. I uh, like I said, I, there's a lot. You know, the more we look, the more we, you know. My opinions kind of form on players, and I, you know, if I'm at twelve. I've done the 12, 13 pick before and gone wide receiver, wide receiver. Cause you know, I'm like, I'm going to get the best, you know, the second and third best receiver on the board. Cause it went running back heavy and, you know, bad quarterback pick here or there. And, you know, it, it, it you know, people, wide receivers are historically safer because running back gets injured at a higher rate. But from my experience, especially lately, like those high end guys, there's a changing of the guard. And there's a lot of shifting around, and I uh, there's a lot of discomfort there. And Hopkins specifically, I am uh, I can I just I, I don't see how he went to a better situation. All of a sudden, they're like every everybody now is like a Bill O'Brien's an idiot. Good thing he's gone from there. He fucking thrived there. Like he is not going to do that again. So if he's not going to do that again, why? Like oh, we move him to four instead of. Two. I, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna slide him. Hey, hey, that, that's okay. That, that's... And here's the thing. His like, it, he's going to have a. Like I said, he's gonna fall. Air quotes to twelve. You know, that's his. You know, that's his. That's his. You know, fall from grace. You're still going to be okay. But I definitely. You know, I. I would temper expectations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, I, I get it. I believe it. Um, speaking of changing the guard. Um, my one of my one of my first tight ends that kind of just jumped off the board to me, and I, I think I think this is going on name name alone, and, and that's Rob Gronkowski. Um, he's the tenth tight end going off the board right now, and there are a lot of other younger, more durable tight ends that I like than Rob Gronkowski. I mean, when you really look at the Tampa offense. I mean, and let's just look at Tom. Just look at Gronk in the past two seasons. He was off. He was off last year. He retired the year before that. He was hurt. Gronk is 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 beat up. He's getting old, and he's not the the first or second option in this offense in New England. He was essentially the first option in the offense. He is not that this this time. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are the first two options on that offense. And then, you know, you know how Brady loves to dump it off to his receivers. Um, Gronk and, you know, say Keyshawn Vaughn could be a um, 3A, 3B type of, you know, uh, value uh, when it comes to target share on there. So with Gronk's age, his, you know, his injury prone, you know, just the way he is and the way how beat up he is, I just don't see. There's no way I would take him as my 10th quarterback off the board. I, I just think it's just going on pure name alone. I would not take him off of my 10th quarterback off the board either. And I may not take him off my 10th tight end. But have you ever 
like put any um, credence to the concept that maybe the last two years in New England, he was just training to become a champion in WWE. And now that he holds the belt, he has now shifted his focus back to tight end. And he is now ready to thrive again only because he was, you know, just being drawn to another sport. Yeah. Um, possibly, but, uh, <laughs> that was long. That was, that wasn't long lived. Hey, he's still the champ. As far as I know, 24 seven, nobody's taking it from him. So Gronk is still the 24 seven champ, but no, I agree. Um, like I said, I, we keep talking about, you know, looking at, I keep talking about looking at the re-rankings, you know, I had him somewhere in that range. Uh, I have him on my list and really it's just, for me, it's, it's not that you draft Gronk. It's people are drafting him in the eighth round. And there, I agree with everything you said as far as the unsurety. Not to mention there are still two other very good tight ends on that team. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's a lot of reasons why he will not come. He, he won't. He could be somebody that is not. He could be done. Like he could have nothing left in the tank. I, I think obviously he thinks so. So I, it would give me uh, a little bit of hesitation because I do be, believe in the sum of the, especially with him, that football became not fun and he was always hurt and he was always playing under Belichick. So I can see where that would wear on you in the second life. He could have a spring and a step. And you know what? Maybe he's like, you know, some of those, you know, that later years of Antonio Gates where he's only a situational player. So – but that's not a situational player is good for Tampa. It's not necessarily – you don't want to bank that he gets two catches for one touchdown every week type of thing. So, no, I absolutely see him. I have him on the list. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. My biggest bust possibility, and there's a few on the tight ends, but honestly, mine – I'm going to go up with Zach Ertz. Not that I think he's going to be a zero by any stretch – but fourth tight end off the board, which is fair. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But going at the beginning of the fifth round, it's just people are looking to round out their team. Like, that's why people are taking him in the fifth round, because they got two running backs, two receivers, like, oh, I need a tight end. And you don't. And that's where I think there are so many other values in that range. And, you know, the next, you know, I have Hunter Henry down here. He's the sixth tight end. And he's a full round later. I just – I don't see enough separation with Zach Ertz where, at the moment, Philadelphia has the best receiving core they've had in a while because they have the same receiving core they've always had, theoretically healthy, because they didn't play most of last year. And they have all the young guys coming in. And two capable pass-catching running backs. I just – I see a situation where the tight ends aren't force-fed the ball. And if they are, Goddard keeps moving up that um, target percentage – and Ertz starts niching down a little bit, and then there's an overall tight end droppage. And I can see Ertz, maybe he can keep a little bit of – he'll hold harder in a PPR league, but I can significantly see his just – everything is volume coming down because they're going to need to get other guys involved, and they're going to be other guys on the field other than Greg Ward and Boston Scott at the end of the season and Zach Ertz and Goddard. There's just – other pieces and when Alshon's on the field for whatever Alshon is or isn't even if he is just a glorified tight end well that's just one more person taking those same catches and those same percentages and it's another big body and it's just 
I'm fine with Ertz as the fourth tight end off the board. I'm just very much against him being at the fifth round. Well, I mean, I can see why he's you know been in the fifth is in the fifth round because you look at this past you know three or four seasons. I mean, he's been you know having I think he's had you know eighty plus catches in three of the last four seasons, so he's returned pretty good value. Is he kind of maybe on the tail end? Is he one of these you know tight ends who? Uh, you want to kind of stray away from uh, because you don't want to be a year late on someone rather than a year early. It, that could be it because, you know, it, it, this is Dallas Goddard going into his third season with Carson Wentz. And, and he could be, you know, someone who supersedes Ertz in a way because he, he does have a lot of talent and he is a big target. Um, Ertz could be, you know, kind of turn, kind of going downhill a little bit. So I, I can totally buy that. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you said the same statement for him and Edelman. I mean, he literally could be in an Edelman situation, just, you know, getting ready to move out. And they have an opportunity to get something for him. They have Goddard. You know, people want the two tight ends, but that doesn't mean that he's going to earn that same share. There's going to be a shift similar to, you know, Minnesota with Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. And it's, it's going to happen. This easily could be the year that it does. Yeah. Uh, the other tight end I had on my list, and uh, we, we've talked about this name a while, but uh, the ninth tight end going off the board, Austin Hooper. Hooper? Uh, yeah. I, I'm just – with Njoku and Landry and Beckham and Chubb and Hunt, there's just way too many miles to feed. I know he was the highest-paid tight, highest tight end in the NFL now, but uh, I, there's no way I'm taking him as the ninth tight end off the board. He's more, to me, around the 16th or 17th tight end off the board. Yeah, he's laughing all the way to the bank. No, I have him on here, too. Uh, well, Ertz, by the way, faces the fourth hardest tight end schedule. Hooper faces the 11th. So, again, playing in a very tough division with a lot of mouths to feed, eighth round. I mean, if you're, if you're pulling the trigger on Hooper in the eighth round, how – what I, – I guess that's where you and I, I guess, are similar. What upside does Hooper offer in the eighth round that somebody else in the tenth round doesn't? I just, you know, like they got him and Gronk a pick apart. And I'm just like, those are people throwing darts at names. They're Jimmy in it. They're, you know, it's just, it's like, okay, yeah, you knew that guy's name. You got him. And your team is built off of, you know, Drew Brees in the sixth, you know, Hooper in the seventh. And it's just, you're taking names to keep that average up for, you know, this draft value because you're just reaching for guys that you know. And I, I agree that I, they're going to try to get him involved. I really believe that. And, but I don't see how he comes close to – could he, any given week, could he be in tight end one? Absolutely. Every week, I find it hard to imagine. <laughs> Hashtag no doubt about it. <laughs> All right, let's see. Who are we going to close it off with? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to piggyback off your Keenan Allen, and I'm going to go Hunter Henry. Similar to my argument with Ertz, he's going one round later, but – even more so than, you know, Hunter, uh, um, what's the name? Rivers had eyes for Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is an amazing route runner and a very good receiver. Hunter Henry is a tight end. Keenan Allen, I mean, Rivers likes throwing to good wide receivers and tight ends. So is Hunter Henry actually a good tight end? We're going to find out because he's never come close to anything Antonio Gates ever did. And, he always benefited off of the hype of the rivers and he's also always fucking hurt. So what is he going to give you and what upside? Cause 
he's never gotten to that upside. And if he does, it's for a few weeks in a row. There's a lot of risk, both him personally, and then there's also the, un, the doubt of Tyrod. And one thing, you know, Tyrod doesn't necessarily feature a tight end. He can support a tight end, but – and I'm okay with Hunter Henry, but I don't know if I'm okay with Hunter Henry, again, in this range. And knowing now that they've officially gone not with Tua, but with uh, Herbert, you know, tight ends and running backs are usually the friends of quarterbacks, but this big son bitch likes to sail that sucker into space. So I don't know if it's going to be, he's going to be, you know, Mr. Checkdown to the tight end either if he were to come in. So it's just, there's a whole lot of reasons to where he could absolutely. I, last year, for example, I mean, he just he he's very hard to pay dividend because he immediately he's hurt, and he there are people that who get unfortunately get hurt year after year, and Keenan Allen's one of those guys. He's like, oh, he's injury prone. He had some really weird injuries, like a lacerated spleen and shit like that. Hunter Henry just gets fucking hurt all the time, and you know you're gonna put this value, and then are you gonna carry two tight ends because? You don't want to drop Henry because of what you value you put into him. But at some point, your roster, you know, if you get hurt in another position, you got to move him. And it's just uh, the upside isn't worth that value. Again, I feel so much better about so many tight ends that I don't want to touch these middle guys when the risk is associated as well as the unknown. Yeah, look, I own Henry and Dynasty, and he almost made my list, in fact. So I, I really do agree with, with everything you just said there. Uh, I have honestly, I have no disagreements because, like I said, he almost made my list. Even though I own him in Dynasty, uh, he just you – know, he's always hurt. Uh, there is, you know, some change in the guard going on in, in Los Angeles. So you just don't know what Hunter Henry's going to bring to the table. He's certainly not going to bring that type of value. I, I – I... Absolutely agree. Absolutely. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, I certainly enjoyed talking some bus tonight. Um, over the next week, uh, we are going to be taking a week off. Vincent is going on vacation. Peace so out, bravo, bitches. Bravo to him. So we will be taking a week off, and we will be back with you. Uh, it'll be on Monday, uh, June the 1st, in fact. So uh, we'll be coming back that, that Monday. Uh, otherwise, I hope you guys have a good week, and I hope you join us back again uh, on that Monday for our podcast. Otherwise, uh, if you get a chance, give us a follow on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic. Uh, and thank you for listening, and have a good night. This gives everybody an opportunity to listen to your favorite episodes, share with your friends, and tweet, tweet us, text us, email us questions. So we need more material, people. Send it in. And remember, knowledge is power.